Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Shut the Representative McFarland and I are pleased to present House Bill 1 this morning for your consideration. This bill will prohibit a social media company from allowing a minor under the age of 16 from creating a new social media account. Under the provisions of this bill, social media companies must also terminate an existing account of a minor under the age of 16. Existing account holders will have a 90-day window to go through the age verification process. This is Representative Tyler Sirway, uh talking about HB1. We're off in the legislative session, officially starting to do the big meetings, the main meetings, where they're going to talk about all of these bills. And uh, just in case you're not familiar with the protocol, typically the low numbers, like under 10, that are reserved every year for the big bills. Like, these are the major priorities of the Speaker of the House. You know, one says no social media accounts for anybody under the age of 16 in the state of Florida. Uh, three says that you have to have online verification of your age if you're going to be viewing, for example, pornographic content uh, and other things. But anything that's not supposed to be for kids, you're going to have to basically gain entrance with some kind of an age verification system. And there are other ones as well. But those those are the two. They were both heard yesterday in the uh, subcommittee and this one man is very very interesting when i had first read the bill i thought wow that's we're trying to do something and uh, now that i have heard this bill discussed yesterday at good length i you know i i kind of liked it before i love it now i i love this bill i love what it's trying to do it will not be perfect there will be all kinds of problems with implementation of this bill but this bill is really trying to do something about the social media problem, whether it comes to body shaming or suicide or the coordination of illegal activities or bullying or just all of it, and the the effect on brain architecture that these things have on our children. This is this is somebody is finally listening, and they're trying to do something good for the children of the state of Florida. To empower parents, if an account is obtained by a minor under the age of 16 unlawfully, a parent may report the account for its termination to the social media platform. So you can stop the accounts. They're supposed to be stopped on your behalf, but if you find your kid's got one, you can make them get rid of it and delete all of the personal information that might be attached to it. For new and existing accounts, the bill requires that social media companies utilize a private, independent, third-party age verification service. And the bill requires that personal data collected on minors under the age of 16 be personally deleted. So you're going to have to, if you're if you're me, and you want to log into your Twitter or X or Facebook or so or Instagram, you're going to have to go through some kind of an age verification process to prove that you're above the age of of uh, well 18 for no limitations or 16 to do it without a warning label because a warning label is kind of attached to it if you're 16 or 17. For minors between the ages of 16 and 18, social media companies must identify policies and protections for users 
from cyberbullying and harassment, as well as zip code-based resources to assist with the effects of adverse mental health issues. The attorney general will be able to pursue an ad, an unfair trade practice claim against a social media uh, company that does not follow this in the state of Florida. And if everything else fails, everything else fails, and your kid's got a social media account and they're 14, uh, and you are going to be allowed to bring legal action against them as a parent. The bill further empowers parents to bring a cause of action against social media platforms that fail to terminate a minor's account and identifies the recovery of attorney's fees, court costs, and damages. Mr. Chairman, uh, Representative McFarland and I look forward to the committee's questions. That is the bill. And good questions were raised yesterday. Ashley Gant uh, asked the first question. If a parent decides that they want their child to have social media, is there a mechanism in your bill for parents to give consent for their children to access social media? So the bill provides for a a ban of social media use by minors under the age of 16. There is no parental consent option for minors under the age of 16. And I would be happy to to walk you through the reasoning behind that if you wish. She says, yeah, please. Because <laughs> this, you know, parents can't opt you in. Okay. A parent can't say, no, my 15-year-old is good with it. And he says, well, why? Well, here's why. This is a bit long, but it's worth listening to. Social media, in in essence highlights and underscores and puts puts exclamation points on and italicizes and yells from the rooftops the the differences and disparities and bullying and it amplifies haves and have nots who's on the ski trip who isn't who went to prom who had a date to prom who doesn't it amplifies all of these different things that kids are stacking themselves up against one another. So for us to look at a, a parental consent option, we, we believe, it's our thinking, that that would only, that would be fuel on the fire. In essence, that that would continue to expand this notion of kids comparing themselves against one another, evaluating them, themselves against one another. But this time, instead of it just being a a matter of the the content that they're seeing and posting and and responding to one another with it actually becomes who who is able to who is able to be on there who is able to enjoy it enjoy it and who isn't so our view is that if 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 we're not holding all minors to the same standard all minors under the age of 16 to the same standard we're really only compounding the problem part of the basic issue with social media and kids is the comparisons, the bullying, the shaming, the cool kids versus the not cool kids, the star belly sneeches versus the no star sneeches, right? And if you suddenly make it so that parents can opt you in or parents can opt you out, that's just putting the marker in a different place of the current problem of the kids who are on Instagram and the kids who aren't, the kids who have smartphones and the kids who don't. The kid, you know, it'd be, well, my, my parents trust me enough and they don't trust you. That, that would become the problem. So you ban it for everybody. As he says, there's all kinds of activities that we ban kids from because those activities are problematic for anybody at certain ages in development. You know, I'm not here to argue the content. I'm not here to argue, you know, social media is good or bad. But what I am here to tell you is we have a history of looking at different industries and business practices and putting guardrails in place to protect our kids. Uh, there is no parental waiver that I can sign to bring a child into a casino. That That is uh, something that legislatures have established that we've arrived to through consensus because we understand that that's in the best interest of the child. 
You can't sign a waiver that allows them to drink at 17. You know, there are things. There are things that are dependent on you signing a waiver. You know, things like certain work opportunities, right? There are some things that a parent can opt into officially or opt out of. There are other things that parents just have authority over and we just allow them. And there are other things that we just allow kids to do, right? And then there are things that we say, no, kids shouldn't be doing this. No kid should be buying pornography. No kid should be buying tobacco. No kid should be buying alcohol. And no kids should be mixing in an unregulated fashion on social media with adults and each other. The thing itself is problematic, which we know. Everybody knows this. But then somehow when you propose legislation to try to recognize and work on solving the problems created by what we all know to be true— now, all of a sudden, you're the, you know, restrictive over government types. You're, you know, infringing on parental rights, which they brought up and talked about. And it is. I mean, sure, this is sure. That's a restriction on parental rights. OK, fine. <laughs> Just like it's a restriction on parental rights to tell everybody that they can't have alcohol for their kids at 17 or fi- or 15 or 12. Sure. It's a restriction on parental rights because sometimes we do that. Not all the time. Reluctantly, every time we have to. But that's what we do. Now, there's all kinds of questions that came up yesterday. Things like, well, won't kids, won't there be some kind of a, you know, a black market for social media accounts? Yes, of course. Will there be workarounds and, uh, you know, yes, of course. What about the age verification technology? Will there, will people, you know, bypass it, falsify it? It's actually pretty good. (laughs) But yes, of course. But let's say in the process of all of these flaws and holes in the system and challenges, let's say in this process you manage to get 80% of kids off social media. That is a huge win. Huge win. Well, what about kids who make money on social media? Influencers, no exemption. Tough. Tough. By the way, how are you going to make money as a kid influencer if nobody else is on social I mean, you know, it's not... You, you, could, you could say, well, we're going to let them on so they can make money, but there won't be anybody to make money off of, right? What about implementing a rating system for social media? You know, G, PG, PG-13, or R-13. You know, well, they're, they're open to talking about that for sure. That was actually a really interesting conversation. But you have state attorneys who showed up to testify that they are in favor of this. You have um, activists on all kinds of social cl- – and not just like – conservatives this is there's a wide coalition of people who are in favor of this bill i was honestly i was surprised because i thought this is going to be a big fight this is not a big fight in this committee this subcommittee uh i forget is maybe 10 people on the subcommittee it's kind of interesting because uh michelle rayner used to be rayner goolsby but michelle rayner, she she was kind of sitting in ex officio on this committee and she is the leftist of the left Okay, I mean, you will not find anybody to the to farther than her on that scale. She's in favor of this. They had one dissenter, and it was Ashley Gant who asked a whole bunch of questions, and that's fine, you know. But she said that the reason that she was against it, when it all came down to it, the only reason that she was against it was because it didn't allow parents to opt in, and also because she's worried about the influencers are going to lose their income. And she says that, you know, the principles that Republicans stand for of open markets, uh, you know, kind of seem like you ought to leave something like this to function on its own. But the basic problem is that if you leave everybody to decide on their own, you get what you get right now. Because, you know, a parent can restrict it now, but they don't. 
I mean, some know. We we do. Our kids don't have so. Now, I will say, I am curious how this is going to play out for Discord. Because Discord is a very popular social media um, app for kids. that they, they do all kinds of things that are not the typical social media stuff on. You know, they communicate about classwork and they coordinate meetings, things like this. Um, so, my, you know... All, both of my older teens, uh, one who's 19, one who's 17, use it a lot. Uh, I don't, my younger one, I actually don't know, I don't think he ha- has an account. Um, he's 15. I don't think he needs one. None of them had social media accounts their whole lives. None of them have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that. That was our rule. And none of them miss it either. They're all like, yeah, I don't, Dad, I'm, thank you. <laughs> you know, we don't need this. And there was this very compelling story. That um, one of the, uh, mem- the 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 guy who's running the bill it's a co- it's a co-run bill with uh, Tyler Sawari and this um, uh, other representative um, Fiona McFarland, and he tells a story about going into a coffee shop. He kind of likes he likes to be incognito and ask people their opinions and stuff, and because they don't know he's a representative and they don't know who's yeah no idea. So he's in this coffee shop, just talking to this gal behind the counter, you know, kind of playing the game. Hey, I was reading this thing in the news, and did you see that? Oh yeah, I saw that. What do you think about it? And I said, did you see in the, the news today, the legislature wants to ban social media accounts for minors under the age of 16? And, and she says, yeah, I, I saw that. And I said, well, what, what do you think of it? And she said, I think if they had done it a long time ago, I would have enjoyed being a kid. I want you to think about that. It doesn't have to be that way in the state of Florida. I ask for your support. And he did get it, all but the one dissenting vote. I, I'm telling you, my, my prediction on this bill is it's going to feel like there's going to be opposition to it because it seems like a pretty radical bill. And what you're going to probably discover is a whole lot of people saying, thank God. A lot of people you might not have expected to say that. And the people who are going to be in favor of this are going to come from all corners. And the only people who are going to be really against this are going to be the social media companies and the kids. And even a lot of the kids are going to be in favor of this because they see and they know and they've suffered. 524 on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. Again, bill number is HB1. Watch this bill. It's going to be a big thing. We're, it will be a first in the nation on this bill. And um, I predict this will pass. At least 75%, yes. I would be surprised, honestly, based on what I saw yesterday, if this doesn't pass 90 95%, yes, uh, in the Florida House. Now, what the Senate does with theirs and what the I, – I, same thing in the Senate, I would think. And the governor will sign it in a heartbeat. So this, I think this is going to be law by summer. 437-1620, I'm Andrew McKay. When you were 18, you spent your spring break in Cancun. The party was legendary, and you speak of it often, even though – you don't remember half of it. The geeky kid who sat across from you in math class stayed home, practicing calculus. You made fun of her. A lot. That is, until last year, when you owed the IRS a lot of money and called the certified public accountants at Benakis & Associates. And she answered the phone. Who's laughing now? The number crunchers at Benakis & Associates live and breathe accounting and tax preparation. It's practically in their DNA. When you need to know what the heck a Form 656-PPV is, call Benakis & Associates. When you need a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, call Benakis & Associates. When you need someone who practices long division for fun, 
Call Benakis and Associates, now in the historic district on 120 South Alconies and online at flacpas.com. Benakis and Associates, leave the numbers to the experts. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. The Queen Sleep Number C2 Smart Bed is now only $9.90. Plus, free home delivery when you add any base. Ends Monday. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Earl Ron, president of New South Window. If you need new windows or doors for your home, heads up, this message is for you. New South is having a one-day factory sale, this Saturday only in our factory showroom. 40% off high-performance award-winning windows, 40% off energy-efficient windows and patio doors, 40% off our factory direct products installed. Bring in your measurements for on-the-spot pricing or call today. One day only, this Saturday from 9 till 4. Please visit us at NewSouthWindow.com. This Saturday only, save an additional 5% when you arrive before noon. You're all set with your Medicare prescriptions, Mrs. Brown. This is not just low-cost copays at Walgreens. I can actually help you set up 90-day refills if you want. This is having a partner you can trust. Get low-cost copays, 90-day refills, and delivery from your neighborhood Walgreens. This is being independent together. Walgreens. Restrictions apply. For details, see walgreens.com pharmacy. News Radio 92.3 gets you live programming every day from 5 a.m. until 7 p.m. on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Deterrence is the art of producing in the mind of the enemy the fear to attack. I know it sounds good though, doesn't it? This is the uh, rearranged acoustic versions of like 30 of their songs by U2 on the Songs of Surrender album. It's fantastic if you haven't heard it. I highly recommend it. 528 News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. David Wayne is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David? A watchdog report finds that the Pentagon did not properly track more than a billion dollars worth of weapons that were sent to Ukraine. The Pentagon Inspector General says that while the Defense Department has improved its ability to track military aid sent to Ukraine, they didn't fully comply with their requirements. It's no big deal. <laughs> Just a billion dollars worth it's, of weapons, right? It's it's only 59% yeah. of the $1.7 billion of defense gear that we provided to Ukraine. It's only a majority of it. <laughs> right. Man. Which, and they, they say, look, we have seen troops in the field using it. We have seen the effect of it on the battle space. It's not like it... It doesn't mean just because we didn't track it doesn't mean it didn't get to its destination. It's just that we can't verify <laughs> that it right. got into the right. So, you know, it's sort of like when the hurricane comes through and we have all of these, you know, to comply with FEMA, the, the guy running around behind the picker with the clipboard making sure that all the barcodes match up on everything. It doesn't mean that the stuff didn't get collected properly if they don't have the clipboard check marks right, but it does mean. The clipboard check marks aren't there, and we can't know for sure. That's all. So go ahead. 
Uh, eBay paying $3 million to settle criminal charges uh, after employees reportedly stalked a Boston couple who had published critical material. Uh, Ina and David Steiner were targeted in 2019 uh, by employees after they'd criticized the company online. Apparently, the employees had mailed things to them uh, that they didn't order, by the way, like a fetal pig, a bloody pig mask, live insects, and a funeral wreath. I mean, you're not sure you weren't drunk one night? You know, maybe it was Christmas Day after the festivities and you just inadvertently ordered a fetal pig and a, and a bloody pig mask? Come on now. Live insects. Now. <laughs> Cook here to confirm. One Hell, click yes. order. Yes. <laughs> David will have your local news coming up next after Fox. Fox News, MCJ Papa striking back at the Iranian-based Houthi rebels over 100 precision-guided weapons using retaliation against the group targeting commercial shipping in the Red Sea, hitting 60 targets. President Biden stated that these strikes carried out in partnership with the U.K. and other countries sends a clear message that the U.S. will not tolerate hostile actors compromising personnel safety and upending free navigation in the Red Sea. Fox's Alexandria Hoff, some Democrats in Congress upset the strike took place without congressional approval. The military and say five people died, six are wounded. Strikes monitored in real time by the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who's still in the hospital. A last stand for former President Trump at a civil fraud trial in New York during his closing argument, saying he's an innocent man and he's being persecuted by someone running for office. America is listening to Fox News. Good morning and happy Friday. It's 531 News Radio 92.3 right now, 60 degrees. Mostly cloudy skies in Pensacola. A Pensacola man that was arrested last year for soliciting a minor in Okaloosa County has been arrested again for allegedly engaging in a sexually explicit conversation with an undercover FDLE agent that was posing as a 13-year-old girl. Charles Alvey is now facing multiple charges. FDLE says he began communicating with an agent that was posing as a young girl back in November, having sexually explicit conversations and even sending pornography. Agents believe Alvey may have been communicating with other minors here in the area. If you have any information that could help investigators, you're asked to call FDLA, FDLE Pensacola at 800-226-8574. The Pensacola dentist that was convicted of inappropriately touching patients and employees will now spend time in prison after violating terms of his probation and then lying about it. According to the PNJ, Charles Stamatolis was sentenced to two years in state prison on a felony perjury charge following a brief hearing over his mental state. In the end, Judge Coleman Robinson detailed a pattern of lying to protect himself in addition to the battery convictions. Last January, you may recall, Stamatolis traveled to Mobile to purchase a car with his wife, but told the judge there was a family emergency. As a condition of his release agreement at the time, Stamatolis had to remain in Escambia or Santa Rosa counties unless he got permission, which he did not prior to his visit to Mobile. Stamatolis has served separate sentences of eight and nine months in connection to his battery cases. Joe Ford, News Radio 92.3. All right, thank you very much, Joe. Five thirty-three, and Jake, did you have a? 
Yes, uh, this came in uh, uh, in between uh, the breaks here. It is a, a child alert. I just wanted to go ahead and read this on air for Alabama. Uh, it was a, just a short uh, alert here, but uh, the state of Alabama has issued a child abduction emergency Amber Alert. The Pritchard Police Department and the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency asked for your assistance in locating Alan Gully. He's a white male, four years of age, and Eleanor Marie Gully, a white female, three years of age, last seen um, yesterday. Uh, approximately 10 uh, 30 last night um, wearing uh, pajamas pink hoodies and and blue pajama pants uh, paw patrol uh, blue pants uh, let me see they were last seen i-65 service road uh, by the truck stop the loves truck stop there at uh, 2600 west uh, i-65 service road uh, let me see the uh, the abductor is described as a black male with brown eyes black braided hair and tattoos on his arms and neck uh, if you have any information please call 251-452-2211 or call 911 thank you all right thank you very much jake and uh, we'll look for photos we can get posted online uh, in uh, in that case here in just a few minutes 534 news radio 923 let's get a look at our channel 3 weather forecast we are going to be seeing a chance of showers and thunderstorms as you go through the late morning, early afternoon. A few storms could be strong, high near 72 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping into the 30s, 35 degrees for your low. As you head into the weekend, sunshine does return. 53 degrees for your high on Saturday. Saturday night, temperatures dropping near 38. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. And right now, we have 60 degrees in Pensacola. 59 in Gulf Breeze, 59 in Milton. Enjoy those temperatures now because I think next week it's going to be a lot colder. Uh, our next news at 6, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Do you want to stay up to date on the latest news, weather, and traffic, but don't have a radio nearby? Then you need to download our new app. With the News Radio Pensacola app, you can get text alerts for breaking news, severe weather, and traffic delays. Plus, customize your alerts so you only get the information you need. It's easy to sign up for text alerts. Just download our app, create an account, and select the alerts you want to receive. You can even change your settings at any time. So, what are you waiting for? Download the News Radio Pensacola app today and start getting text alerts. Delicious seafood is what you'll find at David's Catfish House. David's Catfish serves only the best Mississippi catfish, fresh Gulf seafood, and delicious homemade sides. Weekday specials include two times Tuesday, six free shrimp added to the six-piece dinner. Wednesdays offer lunch basket specials and everyone's favorite Shrimp-tastic Thursday, five bucks off all-you-can-eat shrimp. Serving fresh seafood daily. Visit David's Catfish House on Dogwood Drive in Milton and New Warrington Road in Pensacola. See you at David's. The cooler weather in Pensacola is a great time of the year for gardening. Whether it's planting roses, planting shrubs and trees and cool weather color, and of course, planning for spring. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesdays, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. Sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping, Barnes Feed Store, and Lucky's Pine Straw. All the big national news in a conversation with Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins from 11 till 2 on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable.
537 News Radio 923, informative local dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News. It's a weird weather weekend for sure, and then it's going to be really cold next week, like into the 20s next week. So uh, just be prepared for that those days. It's going to be one of those take care of the pets and the pipes and the people and the, you know, the plants and all that stuff. That's next week, though, but still, weird weather we're looking at today. Uh, yesterday, had a good chance to talk to Wes Moreno, the Escambia County Administrator. They had a Tuesday meeting this week in which a lot of interesting stuff was done. A lot of it just kind of on the consent agenda, so they didn't talk about it a whole lot, especially since they didn't have the agenda review in the morning. Uh, but I wanted to feature some of that when we were talking to Wes. Wes, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Hey, good morning, Andrew. Happy New Year Happy to you. New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, you know, this is one of those agendas where really big stuff got done in the consent agenda portion. And because it was in the consent agenda portion, I think unless you go and read the agenda like I do, you're not even going to know this stuff happened. It's almost like you guys, you almost need to pause for each item and be like, okay, folks, here's what we're doing. This is a big thing. So for let, let's talk about some of this. Um, North Palafox from Brent Lane up to Nine Mile, you know, the... Not, not not Pensacola Boulevard, not Palafox below Brentland, but Brent Lane, the, the little, you know, two-lane rural road in the middle of all of that stuff is getting a massive redesign, a complete streets redesign. And you guys, it's what, a million and a half from the CRA to and basically you're looking for somebody to come forward with, hey, figure out the problems and design it for us, right? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's one of the grants that we uh, submitted for and were awarded. And so, yeah, we're going to take off on that project, uh, recognizing that, that grant money, and we're going to hire a designer, and we're going to start designing, and we're going to start building. And it's uh, going to be a great project. I think it'll totally uh, change the whole the whole uh, face of that, that roadway through there. It'll be a good project and um, make it more walkable, more, you know, more walk, walkability and accessible. I think it's just going to be a great project. When I, I I tried to find if there, and I know there there wouldn't have been because it hasn't been done yet, but because it's so early in the process, we don't have pictures. I was trying to find a you know a a, a conceptual idea of what to expect there, and I didn't find it. So you tell me. I mean, are we talking about widening it to like I was thinking of Olive, okay, or like North Chemstrand? Uh, I was thinking of places that have been you know wildly redone, or even frankly of uh, Palafox North of. Um, uh, nine mile, I think, also. But um, I was trying to think of what it would look like. Is it going to be widening to where it's going to be three lanes? Is it going to be a multi-use path? Is it going to be sidewalks? Like, what exactly are we looking at here? Yeah, the main thing will be sidewalks. And okay. we'll take, care, take care of some drainage. And we'll make those put in some underground drainage in different areas to be able to put the, the shared path through there. And uh, Oh, so uh, there is going to be a multi-use path. Okay, all right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a t- it'll, it'll totally change the, the face of that roadway through there, make it much safer uh, for pedestrians and, and, and bicyclists. And uh, it's just a good project. You know, it's one of the things that we submitted for with DEO uh, back early. You remember that we got those grants midsummer. This is one of the ones we submitted for, and uh, we're going to take off on it. And so, and obviously, again, very early in this project, but uh, a million and a half just to do the 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 RFQ or whatever. But uh, when it comes to actually doing the project, I I mean, we got to be talking what twenty million dollars, thirty million. I mean, I don't even yeah, know ballpark. It, it'll be it'll be a big project, but you know, we're we're going to continue submitting for grant money. You know, this past the thing about this past uh, agenda is we recognized millions of dollars of worth of grants, yeah, uh, mainly from the FDEP. On this past agenda, and you know, like you said, it kind of went, you know, kind of went quick. But uh, you know, we're we're driving hard on, on grants, uh, engineering. Joy Blackman and her bunch are driving hard. 
Chips Kirchenfeld and his, right. and his bunch is driving hard. And, uh, you know, we had the big grant award midsummer, but since then, and even before then, we're just reeling in grants and it's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of work by staff. But they're doing a great job, and we're bringing the money in, and we're gonna we're gonna put it to good use. The uh, another couple of projects, just because I want I want people to realize just how much happened at this meeting. Again, in the like five zero vote of the consent agenda, uh, Wedgwood drainage and stormwater. Um, this is a massive stormwater improvements to the area around Wedgwood, which is historically a flooding area. Improvements and recreational upgrades to the Marie K. Young Community Center and the park. Um, you, I think, I think it's a seven million dollar infrastructure grant, and there's another three million dollars coming from the county. So this is another huge project, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's something that's been in the works for a while. Uh, we've been talking with Commissioner May. It's been a big initiative of his, and we've been working with Chips, Kirshenfeld, and Brent Whip, and Tim Day, and and his bunch. And uh, it's, uh, we we we've met. We've had a conceptual. A vision, I guess, if you will, for that area there, and this, and we submitted, and uh, we've been awarded, and we're gonna we're gonna start bringing it to fruition. We're gonna we're gonna put it in place. Yeah, just another one. And again, I'm I'm just telling you this because it, it's I don't know who else is gonna report this exactly, and also it got, doesn't get focused on the meeting. But like Muldoon Road, Velma, Softly Field, that whole vicinity, you've got. Uh, about a two and a half million dollar grant for flood mitigation in that area, right by the church, okay, on um, Softly Field Road, and then you know you've got the uh, the Bayou Grand Villas drainage program. That's a little bit less costly, but uh, again, <laughs> I was reading through this agenda thinking, good lord, <laughs> we're doing a ton of stuff. Yeah, we are. Again, a lot of grant money we recognize uh, Tuesday night. Uh, a lot of this stuff has been in the works. You know, this, these grants that take time. And uh, they're tedious. It takes a lot of effort. My staff, because uh, uh, you know, people say we got grant writers. It's not, really, it's not really grant writers. You have subject matter experts that are filling out these applications, and you're chasing down these grant opportunities, funding opportunities. But it's a lot of work, extra work. My staff, on top of the, their daily work that they're trying to get done, and uh, I just can't say enough good about the staff and, and the work they do to bring this money into the county. It, it's uh, millions of dollars. Especially when it comes to drainage, I mean, what a, what a great impact it's going to make in these various uh, areas. You know, Muldoon, we had, you know, back in midsummer, we got I think a million, maybe a little over a million dollars toward that drainage uh, effort there, and then this money here is going to help even more. So, you know, we're 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 working it, we're we're, we're working it, patching it together. What's and, um, uh, when we get all these projects in place, it's going to be great. Do you have a ballpark for the last year, how much grant money was brought into the county, even a guess based on the, on the top of your head? I don't at the moment, but I tell you, it's funny you should say that because I just asked uh, Casey Lagarde. we got two two stories that are going to be coming out. One is how much money, how many, how many uh, projects we awarded, what was that dollar amount last fiscal year. That, that story is going to be coming out fairly quickly. And then beyond, right behind that is just exactly that, is how much, uh, how many dollars worth of grant, millions of dollars worth of grants we reeled in last fiscal year. So she's uh, working on that. I met with Chet Skirchfield, uh, actually just uh, yesterday afternoon. And so he, he and engineering and uh, public safety 
are going to start pulling those numbers together, Good. and we're going to have to send that story out pretty quickly. Good, because I know you know DC Re has been touting how much grant money was brought in by the new grants office in the city, and I have said, you know, I've talked about this before. I think the county could benefit from having a devoted grant writers and grant staff, and you know, but look, if you're getting the money without it, maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't, you know, that I'd like to see the numbers because it's a, it, like I said, it's pretty impressive stuff. I have a question for you, and I feel a bit embarrassed to have to ask it, but I'm going to ask ask it anyway. The um, the panhandling public safety ordinance with the medians, I know it passed on what I would think of as first reading. Does that need to come back again for a second reading, or is that in law now? No, it's done. It's done. Okay. All right. So that is in law. As far as, right. as, far as the board action is done. Okay, very good. So we could start looking for enforcement, and I can talk to the sheriff about that. That's what I thought, but I can never remember which things need or don't need a second or whatever. So that's you know, uh, that's just my own issue. Uh, you guys are going to – this is something you have been doing, but when employees get hired and they get offered bonuses and then they don't fulfill their terms of service, they're supposed to repay the bonus. And this has been a thing that has been on many, many agendas that I have seen. But and, and you have gone after them legally to get that money back. But you're doing more of that now and going to small claims court to get these, you know, five hundred here, a thousand, twenty five hundred, that kind of stuff, right? We are, yeah, we are, we we have been, and we are uh, continuing to do that. Um, it's something we don't really want to have to do, but like we need to do. You know, somebody makes a commitment and they kind of renege on the commitment. Or for whatever reason, they drop out or, or, or don't follow through. Um, you know, it's taxpayer dollars, and we feel like we need to go after it. The um, uh, We just got a note in yesterday that Lee Davis, uh, the executive director for the Santa Rosa Island Authority, had said that she was not going to renew her contract. I think it goes through April. I'm working on memory here. But um, was that a surprise to find out that she's not going to renew? And what does that mean for the county in terms of the operations for SRIA? Uh, it was a bit of a surprise to me. She called me uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was now, and let me know. And um, I, it was a bit of a surprise. I, you know, though that's all right. They will they will go out for a search for, for a new executive director. Sure. And uh, I think, but I think as far as operationally, I think I think it'll be fine. You have some good staff out there with Robbie Schrock and Juan Lemos and some other folks. Very good. That'll they'll carry on. And, you got, and she is there until April, so it's not just an immediate thing. Right. And I think it'll be. A, I think it'll wind up being a smooth transition. The uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about is, I guess you're having an open house in February, but this is going to be for the purchasing department for anybody who thinks they might want to sell to the county, come and find out how to do it better, even if you already do it, or not how to do it in the first place if they don't do it yet, right? That's correct. Yeah, we're going to do that uh, and have that open house. We're going to try to do uh, one a quarter. Okay. I uh, met with Lindsay Stevens yesterday, and then something that, that we're putting together to try to try to be more open, transparent, how, how, how you do business with Scammy County, uh, you know, minority businesses, and we want to do that as well. And so it's just an effort and a push that we're making there in our uh, procurement division to uh, just try to, try to be more inclusive and, and try to bring folks in and you know, we want as, as many uh, vendors as we can get. Uh, more competition bring, brings uh, better prices. Absolutely. So that's what we're trying to do. And and you you hate to think that there's businesses out there who could be selling to the county and bringing that competition, that price re- reduction and quality improvement, uh, and just don't do it because they're too daunted by the prospect of learning the process or don't feel like they have a chance against established vendors. So, I mean, I think that's a really good thing. Wes Moreno, he is the Escambia County Administrator. Wes, as always, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Absolutely. Have a good one, now. Absolutely. 548 News Radio 92.3. And that is one of the things that sometimes that that consent agenda – 
you know, just has so much interesting stuff on there, but they don't spend any time on it. So you really have to read the agenda and then talk about it in order to realize, oh, gosh, this is a major project to come in. 437-1620, that's my phone number. And if you happen to be uh, thinking about buying or selling a home, especially if you're buying the first home, man, if you're buying your first home, call Christina Leavenworth. I just I can't even imagine how great it would have been to be able to go back in history and buy our first home with somebody like her. I mean, it wouldn't have been her because we lived in you know Missouri or in Illinois, but still, you know, it would have would have been a pretty nice thing because the way she does this, it's kind of two processes. Number one is communication, two values. Communication is one, always talking, answering the phone, always making sure that you understand what's going on, answering your questions and helping you ask better ones. And number two is system. And they do have like almost a formula for how to get these homes listed, photographed, staged, what websites, what wording, what price, when to open house, all that stuff. They do it in the most effective way possible to really get great results. Last year, 175 homes sold, more than $65 million worth of real. I mean, just unbelievable, unbelievable how effective that they were last year. Their team has more than 40 years of experience, and she's been doing this for only seven years, which is crazy. Christina Leavenworth and her team at Leavenrinke Realty, 723-9158. Hey, this is Dr. Ben McMillan. I do a show on the Pensacola Expert Panel. We talk about your health problems. Let me educate you about the Activator Method of Adjusting, which offers a safe and effective alternative to traditional manual adjustments. So whether you've been hurt in a car accident or been suffering from back or neck pain, chiropractic care could be your solution and not just a temporary fix. Join me this morning on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. As a business owner, you have a lot on your plate. Managing staff, growing your business, training new hires, and more. With so much going on, you need Avalon. An IRS certified PEO, Avalon HR can help from running your payrolls, submitting state and federal taxes, helping with COVID employee retention credits, workers' compensation insurance, employee benefits, and HR expertise. Avalon HR lets you focus on your core business while we handle the rest. Avalon HR, employing made easy. Gulf Coast businesses are set to lose over $10 million this month. I'm Nathan with Data Revolution, and this is your cybersecurity tip of the month. W-2s and 1099s are being sent out, and scammers are posing as both employees and employers to collect Social Security and bank account information. Be wary of requests asking to change address or bank information through email alone. Businesses along the Gulf Coast trust Data Revolution for their cybersecurity and communications needs. Visit datarevs.com for more information. Join Stefan Schmidt, Marine Service Technology Instructor at Georgetown Technical College for Boat Smart on the Pensacola Expert Panel today at 10 a.m. Key Marine sponsoring the show. When Key Marine needs to hire Marine Service technicians, they hire students from Georgetown Technical College. Have a boating question for Stefan? Then give us a call at 437-1620. It's a dream team, so join them today at 10 a.m. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Informative, local, dependable. That was irrational of you, not to mention unsportsmanlike. So, did you happen to see how many tornadoes were actually confirmed in that storm on Tuesday? Six. 
<laughs> Six tornadoes were confirmed in that storm, including, and that doesn't even count the straight line winds. Uh, they had an EF1 uh, over in Navarre, and then they have a, had a straight line wind in north. Uh, at the inter- right around the intersection of 4 and 87 in Santa Rosa County that they said got up to 100 miles an hour. So, wow. Uh, I'm glad uh, it wasn't worse. I really am glad that it wasn't worse. 5.53 on news. And, you know, we have a little, we say littler version because we're only in like the two zone for over the weekend. And Armstrong was talking about how he doesn't see on the map anything approaching what we saw on Tuesday. But, you know, just to be aware. Be aware. Always be prepared for the possibility of bad things happening, you know. Um, and extra aware when there are storms like this on the horizon. Uh, David Wayne is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David? And good morning. I've done a little more digging on this uh, Amber Alert being released from Alabama today. And uh, so some more information on this. Again, those two missing children are four-year-old Levi Allen Gully and three-year-old Eleanor Marie Gully. These kids apparently were taken last night during a carjacking at a Love's truck stop. This was on I-65. Uh, They were in a white Ford F-250 with Tennessee license plates, towing a trailer that had appliances in a box, uh, in the box as well. And uh, ALEA says the suspect is a black male with brown eyes, black braided hair and tattoos, wearing a white tank top and dark jeans, uh, rips and designs on the back pockets. Uh, So that's the truck description and the the children. We do have a photo. I'm going to post that on the News Radio Facebook page and on our website. So if you see these kids, uh, call 911. Uh, also, in other headlines today, Boeing facing a new lawsuit against the passenger uh, from the passengers on that Alaska Airlines flight where the door blew off last week. The aircraft's uh, left side, excuse me, sorry, the uh, aircraft's left side door plug detached mid-flight. Of course, big story there. Uh, well, the lawsuit now says the incident caused economic, physical, and emotional pain for the people on the flight. I can imagine that might be traumatic. Yeah, just Not a little the kind bit. of thing you exactly yeah. want to live through. No, there's there's going to be a settlement. I would think this is not the kind of thing that Boeing wants to put to trial, I wouldn't imagine, or Alaska Airlines. Uh, David, thanks so much for the update. 555 on News Radio 92.3. Oh, th- this is just kind of like in your weird fact bag, okay? Uh, you know, the, the, the strange things that you didn't get told when you were in school or thereafter, but they're actually kind of interesting. Uh, Jake, have you ever seen a Coca Cola bottle, you know, like a two liter, mm-hmm. okay, with a red top, red cap? It's a standard yes. color, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now imagine that same red cap is yellow, bright yellow, like cat country yellow. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we're red there, yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever seen that? No. You know what it means if you do see it? Mm, it's from another country? No, close. Close. It's a different formula. It's actually the original formula mm. for the Coca-Cola where it's being made uh, with, instead of corn syrup, it's being made with sucrose. Sugar. And the reason, this is more interesting, it's not just that you might wander into your grocery store and find the yellow top and then kind of want to try the alternative flavoring. It's that it's kosher for Passover. So Coke is always kosher, but apparently, and even I didn't know this as much as I do somewhat know about Judaism, I didn't know that on Passover the standards can be even higher and a little bit extra certification just to kind of make sure, you know, kind of like just extra cautionary. And so the extra level of caution on the certification means that the yellow cap is this is, you know, super approved <laughs> during Passover when Jews are even more committed to trying to make sure to find, you know, to follow the rules of what you're supposed to eat. These caps are also stamped OUP, the uh, Orthodox Passover Union, Orthodox Union for Passover. So just, you know, FYI, but my worry is that a bunch of us uh, Gentiles 
you know, might think, oh, yellow cap, I want to try some just out of curiosity. And then there's none for the Jews who are trying to observe Passover. Uh, so I just, you know, I thought that was a fascinating thing. I know there's some different places use some of the different forms. Like, isn't it Mexican Coke made with sugar instead of a corn corn it, syrup? I it think is. it is. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. four, three, seven, sixteen, twenty. Uh, what else do we have going on? Um, oh, you heard about the strikes against the uh, Iranian-backed Houthis. Good. Good. Look, you can't just keep randomly firing, you know, ballistic missiles and drones at ships and not have something happen to you. And the U.S. kept warning them, don't keep doing this, don't keep doing this. Like the big, you know, the big swole guy at the bar and the little guy kind of keeps bumping into him. He's like, stop bumping into me, bro, stop, bro, stop, <laughs> stop, stop, boom. <laughs> you know, that's like, we warned you, Stop. Well, we'll see. Now, they're promising retaliation, which is what these people typically do. We'll see what actually happens from here on out because the U.S. and it was Britain and, you know, a bunch of other countries that were either, you know, philosophically in, in line with us in the coalition or materially helped support the uh, the uh, tomahawks and uh, the jets that went and struck these targets. But uh, good. Absolutely. This is not stuff that should be just kind of randomly going on all the time. Oh, and in other news that I hate to have to report, uh, but there it is. Apparently, Donald Trump, former President Trump, you know, he's running for president, right? You heard about that? Um, that's not the news. He is now questioning Nikki Haley's eligibility to be president because her parents were not born here. They came here after her birth, uh, but she was born in South Carolina. Or her, sorry, her parents were here, but became citizens after she was born. Uh, and you know, you've had this argument come up before about what does natural born mean? Does it mean that the parents had to have been born here? Well, no, the way our law works is it means that you had to be born here. In fact, it's one of the reasons why he and some others have rumored that they want to undo birthright citizenship. Well, if that's not what it means, then why would you have to undo it, sir? Anyway, so he's making this claim. And of course we have seven presidents, including president Trump who have had at least one parent born outside of the U.S., and one had both. That was uh, Andrew Jackson. Buchanan, Arthur, Wilson, Hoover, Obama, and Trump all had at least one parent born outside the U.S. So, um, yeah, just do with that what you will. You're listening to News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Gulf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.